Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the New England Patriots. This is the Patriots Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now your host, Ryan O'Leary and Patriots Wire editor, Henry McKenna. Henry, I forget which boy band... Uh, sang the song, but it's that like quit playing games with my heart thing. You know, as, as Nick Folk splits the uprights on the Patriots win, I, I had no idea what to do on Sunday. I didn't know whether I should laugh, cry, fist pump, fetal position. No idea. You know, it wasn't, wasn't exactly a great performance for the Pats. I think there was like a big time luck factor in that game. I want to get your take on it. But hey, the Patriots win. They're five and six all of a sudden. Uh, but I guess my, my leadoff question for you is, did the Patriots go out and win that game, or do you feel more like the Cardinals lost it and the Patriots are kind of reaping the benefits with the W? Probably equal parts. Not a, not a hot take, exactly. But no, that was, equal uh, parts. Yeah, that was a cooled off take, Henry. But we'll get to your I, hot I take later. Actually, uh, okay, I'll say I will, I will heat up my take. All right, let's heat it up. I will say it was 75% the Cardinals losing it. And the reasons are pretty obvious. The missed field goal was egregious. That was bad, bad stuff. That was real bad. The inability to convert a fourth down, fourth and one, on the goal line at the close of the first half was a really tough result to an aggressive decision. I kind of like the decision, but you obviously hate the execution. Yeah, it was so close. That was hard to tell if he was in or not. That was a crazy play. Yeah, and then the third, the third idiotic situation for the Cardinals uh, was Isaiah Simmons hitting Cam Newton on his running play that went for 14 yards when the Patriots needed a 13, third and 13 on the Patriots' final offensive drive. Yep, Patriots were struggling, struggling to move the football, and Isaiah Simmons gave them 15 free yards. I mean, that was just idiotic. Now. Was it like an egregious hit or anything like that? Not really, but you know the situation. If you go firing your head at a quarterback, even if it's an a legal hit, if you're sort of like looking anything near a launch and it looks anywhere near helmet to helmet and it's anywhere near the sideline, you are getting a flag, yeah. and you just don't do that. It was a brutal rookie mistake yeah, that bad. he just needs to know not to do. I said egregious. Um, I don't think it was an egregious hit. I think it was an egregious mistake, right? It was right. just for him to do I agree with you 100%. Go on. Yeah. Okay, so those are the three reasons I think the Cardinals really lost it. But I think in games like this where, there's, where it feels weird, it's often because special teams gives the team – such a big advantage that we don't really understand how the win happened right but the patriots had a, a pair of returns over 50 yards gunner olszewski had that touchdown that got called back but it was still a 50 i think six or 58 yard return dante moncrief had a kickoff return that went for 50 uh 50 plus yards so credit goes to the special teams Credit goes to a, a pretty large degree for the defense for showing up in big moments, generating turnovers, generating big plays. And so there, that's where the 25%, I would say, is due. Uh, even if the offense looked horrific, the defense and the special teams, with help from the Cardinals' bad decision-making, made it just over the finish line for you know a three-point win. Speaking of that terrible offense, Henry, the leader of that was probably Cam Newton, right? This is probably his worst game as a Patriot. Um, after he'd been playing okay, statistically, uh, 9 of 18 through the air, 
not good. His quarterback rating was 23.6, easily his lowest of the year. So not a good game for Cam. He's actually apologizing to Josh McDaniels on those viral uh, those viral little videos on Twitter and stuff after the ball game. You know, I wanted to play a little fun game with you. Like, if you were trying to decide between Cam and some free agent guys next year, like, what if Jacoby Brissett from the Colts became available in you know as an unrestricted free agent? I think he is. So what would you th- say about that, Cam or Jacoby Brissett, if you could pick next year? Ooh. I don't know. I like Newton better than Brissett if all things are held equal. It's close though, right? I think it's close because they, all things won't be held equal. I think Newton will need, will want a bigger salary than Brissett. Like Brissett at this point in his career has never really accomplished anything. And so he is probably likely to accept just about any contract that someone gives him. It's kind of like a, a Fitz magic fitzpatrick situation where he's kind of like been a fine starter now he's not a fitzpatrick quarterback obviously but he's he's sort of that's journeyman fringe starter backup guy and so that's that's a place where the patriots keep like yeah just come here for like a million bucks and things will be fine and that's probably true so but newton meanwhile might might be more of like it's so hard to predict what he'll make but like you could guess somewhere between 10 and 20 next year. At least that's what he could ask for. Now he could do what he did this year, which was like a $1 million deal with incentives up to 7.5. Yeah. But if he cares about money at all, he won't do that. So I, I don't know is, is the real answer. Like I said, Newton, Newton for sure, if you were just looking at which player you'd want, and then once the finances come into play, uh, maybe – especially if you plan to draft a quarterback and develop him, um, then you, then you're probably looking more at like the possibility of Jacoby Brissett because that gives you more money to build around the other players who are going to be in the office. And this offense needs a large amount of investment, yes. both financially and from a draft asset standpoint. What about Jameis Winston? I feel like he's a starting quarterback who's holding a clipboard. Yeah, he is. I, he totally is. I mean, we're seeing Tom Brady do basically what Jameis Winston did last year, but Brady's honestly less prolific at it. I mean, he's right. winning games as opposed to Winston, who is not. So it's not apples and or, uh, apples and apples. It's apples and oranges. But I like Jameis Winston as a quarterback now, as a person and a player. I don't know, but or a person and a leader. He deserves another competition for us, our job. Now, any guy that that's like that is unlikely to win a competition because because he'll go to a situation where he's going to have to compete with a top pick and then he'll win for eight weeks and then he'll lose for the rest of his career. Uh, just like we saw with like, you know, we saw so often with like Josh McCown or uh, Fitzpatrick's another example yeah. or Tyrod Taylor. That's kind of where Winston's stock is at at this point in his career. But I like him as a potential starter. I think the Patriots do not like him. If they had liked him, they would have signed him already. That's a good point. Um, they would have done it last year. Just because well, well, Bill his... couldn't afford him, uh, Henry. Bill couldn't afford it. You know, that's what he'll tell you. No, well, no, because Winston's salary is like nothing. Uh, it's I think it's a veteran minimum. Let me pull it up real quick. Um, it, it's a one year. I think it's a one year, uh, one million dollar deal. Like a Cam uh, deal. Yeah, it's even worse because Cam had the elevators. Uh, yeah, Jameis is is only set to make one point one million. So, so that, was a, uh, definitely. That, was, that was a miss. I'd rather have Winston, I think. But yeah, the Patriots won't. The Patriots don't. That's that's clear. I don't think they go for him, but I do think he's a good player. 
Okay, so we started the show with a, a take that Henry had to, you know, he had to put in the microwave and heat up a little bit. He had to heat up his take. Uh, he, he just put another one on Twitter right before we started recording that is uh, plenty hot. Let's talk about that one coming up next. Fantasy football is about proving that you are better than your friends. Sit him, start him. These are the fantasy picks of the week. It will kill me if this game ends in a tie. I need this win. This game's pretty much done. With Corey Bonini from TheHuddle.com. Corey Benini of TheHuddle.com here to talk strong plays for week 13 of the fantasy football season. Quarterback Kirk Cousins of the Minnesota Vikings versus the Jacksonville Jaguars. Cousins has really picked up his play of late, and he gets a star receiver Adam Thielen back in the lineup after one week off due to COVID-19. Only the Dallas Cowboys have given up more passing touchdowns in 2020 than the Jaguars. Jacksonville is hardly a threat to pick off a pass, and the yardage against them is fifth in the NFL. Factor in Dalvin Cook, and Jacksonville's defense will be spread too thin. New England Patriots running back Damian Harris at the Los Angeles Chargers. All seven rushing touchdowns against the Bolts have come since week seven, and the position has yielded seven different performances of at least 60 yards in that time. There have been eight double-digit PPR efforts over that period as well, and Harris has a chance to rebound after a couple of weeks with lukewarm results. New York Jets wide receiver Brashad Perriman versus the Las Vegas Raiders. In Perriman's last five games, scattered over seven weeks thanks to injuries and a bye, the well-traveled veteran has generated at least 10.2 PPR points four times. Since Week 9's breakout game against the Pats, Perriman has produced with both Joe Flacco and Sam Darnold at quarterback. Las Vegas has given up a wide receiver touchdown every 12.3 completions, and just 10 teams have given up more yards to the position in 2020. And at tight end, Kyle Rudolph of the Minnesota Vikings will pick on the Jaguars one more time. As mentioned, Thielen returns to balance out this offense. The matchup is a major plus as well, and the Jaguars have granted tight ends four touchdowns in the last five games. The volume has been low, which, unlike Week 12 for Rudolph, has been the norm all season long. And that's fine. You're only playing him as a flyer to get into the end zone, and he can be used as a stack with Kirk Cousins in redraft and DFS action in week 13. So Henry, I got you just posted this on Twitter, so I haven't even read the article yet, but you have a little post on Twitter that says, hey, maybe the Patriots could rescue Tom Brady in a trade with the Buccaneers. You're, you're talking about offseason? Um, explain yourself, and I know Patriots fans feel a certain way. How do they feel about this? Yeah, so I'm getting so much lashback on Twitter, which is hilarious. So people are if mad people, at you. Yeah, if people read the article, they'll understand. It's kind of like, a let's think about this silly, fun thought experiment. But I also know that like Tom Brady is a sensitive subject, and it's it's not something that you can throw around lightly. Don't which play, is, which don't is what play I'm games doing with here. our hearts, Henry. As I said Look, to start the show, don't play games with my heart. Exactly. The Backstreet Boys said that for the record. Oh, that's what it was. Okay. Know that. You would yeah. know that, Henry. Go on. Obviously. So, yeah. So I wanted to just explore the idea. And I know I know that's like it, it, it was just kind of like fun. And that's what I sort of wrote in the story. I was like, I literally said, wrote the sentence. Let's have some fun. And it started a conversation that is not fun for people. But whatever. The, logistically, it's totally possible. Now, Brady has a no trade clause in his contract players can waive their no trade clauses that's the, they're the ones who put it in there so if both parties decide that they want it then you make the trade uh that's really not a big hold up Brady's going to make 25 million on one year on what will be a one-year deal in 2021 and if bruce arians really dislikes working with brady as much as he's indicating and that starts to to grind brady's gears it's a situation where Brady could move on from the Buccaneers and the Patriots are obviously a team 
that would be interested. Now, financially, it wasn't possible last year. That's what Belichick said. Now, he, he could have not re-signed Devin Cordy and not signed uh, Joe Tooney to that franchise tag, and there would have been enough money for Brady, but he Belichick did that, and there wasn't. But now, in seven in 2021, the Patriots have $70 million in cap space opening up. That's in an offseason where most teams have no cap space or they will be over the cap by like $70 million. So free agents are not going to be getting big deals this offseason. At least they will be sort of like disproportionately small. And the Patriots have all this money to spend. They're in a position of power. They'll be in the middle of the draft probably. They could build an offense around Brady so that he would be happy again. They could fit Brady under the cap. Do I think that it's going to happen? No. Of course but not. <laughs> do I think that it's, it's feasible? Yes. And I also think, and again, a situation that I don't think is going to happen, but it's possible. Belichick could retire. Josh McDaniels could step up. And then it's distinctly possible that McDaniels would go after uh, Brady, especially if Brady's upset with what's happening in Tampa. So I just thought it was like a fun thing to think about. Uh, You know, we're in a we're in like a weird part of the season where the Patriots aren't really relevant. And we're definitely evaluating Cam Newton to see if he's going to be the guy. I thought it would be fun to see if we see if, if this is what we'll be talking about in in six months. You know, like if sports radio shows are going to be talking about in this this in six months, I can be like, yeah, I thought it was a funny funny thing to like explore six months ago. I don't know. But the fun but, police have yelled at you to, uh, on Twitter, and, and they're not. Oh man, this is the no fun league. <laughs> like people are. I mean, it's Bell in Jeff reality, Fox. it's really only like, I don't know, like seven people getting angry on Twitter. So it's not that big of a deal. That means it's a good tweet if, you get, if you're getting that kind of response. So even seven angry people is a pretty good tweet. Yeah, I'm getting like messages on Google Hangouts from some of my friends too. So. <laughs> but why are we even talking about this, right? It's because you're right, Henry. You're right. They're not in the hunt. This is not a playoff team, even though they're five and six now. I mean, hey, if they beat, you know, if they beat the uh, Texans a couple weeks ago and they're six and five or whatever, we might be having a different conversation, but they're five and six. Why are we having exercises like Henry's talking about on Twitter there? Because we're literally evaluating the team and rebuilding and looking at next year at this point. And at this point, Henry, I want to ask you, what position groups do you feel good about? Obviously, you don't feel good about quarterback right now. There's a lot of evaluation that has to go into that position. I don't feel good about linebacker. I don't feel good about wide receiver, obviously. I'm not sure about defensive line. I know there's some there's some young pieces there, maybe. But you know, I think beside defensive back, and I'll, I'll include safety, there i think the o-line showing me something i like the running backs i think i think those three positions i feel really good about but the rest i think we're either heavily evaluating or we're really concerned about what do you think about that you probably rattle it off uh, roughly how i would i would say even cornerback is a little bit rough because what if stefan gilmar wants out like what if he wants a raise and it's a raise that the patriots don't want to give and they offer a counter raise and he doesn't want to take it could that relationship blow up? You and I were on here talking about this two weeks ago, maybe, about how we think that there's a little bit of fire um, underneath the smoke that came up at the trade deadline. Well, what if that comes back? What if we see that fire like in full force at, at, this summer and the Patriots have to trade him? And maybe if it's really bad for like a second, third, fourth round pick, like it, it could be that bad. Sure. I would think that they would probably be a third because the Patriots at the very least would want the compensatory pick that they're going to get when he walks in free agency. But um, who knows? And so 
Belichick and him will have to figure that deal out. And if he doesn't stick around, then J.C. Jackson, we've seen, is like serviceable as cornerback number one. But all of a sudden, the one thing you really that defense can hang its hat on is its coverage skills. And if that's not there, then the defense really has nothing. I mean, the defense is so freaking bad as it is. And then if you take away its strength, then like what? Like what? So, yeah, even that's an insecure position. Um Running back looks good. Offensive line, you look to 2021. Joe Tooney is going to enter free agency. Uh, David Andrews could enter free agency. I think they will try and re-sign him. He's just like a Patriot guy, right? Like, he just, I don't know if he'll get away from them. But you, you never know. And then Marcus Cannon should come back. So I would think that if Cannon comes back, he moves to right tackle. Wynn returns to left tackle. Owenu moves to left guard when Tooney's gone. And you basically don't have any issues there. So that's a strong group, assuming Andrews can stick around. And then, yeah. I don't know. The whole the whole roster is open, as you were saying. Uh, there there are not positions that you really feel. Oh, safety, safety. I like just because Chung's coming back. Adrian Phillips is, I think, on a deal for another year. Uh, McCordy is old but still playing well, and Kyle Duggar is, is playing really well for his age. He's not necessarily an elite starter, but he's he looks like he's on track to actually be one so that's yeah. good yep yeah, i like safety as well so yeah there's there's all these position groups that we'll just have to get it we're really evaluating as we go and there's some definite concerns and we had a fun exercise i mean maybe brady won't really come back to new england and trade henry i know that's maybe just for fun but there is a guy who's i think kind of seen around the league as a giant bozo but maybe he could come back to the patriots let's talk about him and this matchup with the chargers coming up next <laughs> It's that time again for the line of the week. The inside track to the favorites, the underdogs, and the over-unders. I think I want my money back. Now, here are Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren from USA Today's Sportsbook Wire. Hello, I'm Eston McLaren of SportsbookWire.com and Bet Slippin' Podcast, joined by my colleague Jeff Clark. We're breaking down the Monday night football game between the San Francisco 49ers and Buffalo Bills. The 49ers come in as two-and-a-half-point underdogs as the official home team in this. They have minus 106 odds. The Bills, minus 115 odds to win by a minimum of three points. Jeff, do the Bills continue to roll through 2020, or are the 49ers back on track? Oh, for sure. I'm on the Bills to win by more than a field goal here. Josh Allen could stretch the 49ers defense more so than Jared Goff could last week. And I think this Bills defense is trending up and it's going to do a good job against the 49ers rush and make Nick Mullins beat them in the air. I think the 49ers are back on track. That They're getting healthy. The, the running game looking strong. The defense coming on as well. Kyle Shanahan's squad fighting for a playoff spot. I think they make it back-to-back and beat the Bills back the 49ers plus 2.5. So Henry Matt Patricia is back on the street, fired from Detroit. He actually, uh, they, they hired him to replace and be the successor to Jim Caldwell. He didn't do much better, did he? Not even close. Not a great tenure for Matt Patricia. 13-28-1 as the head coach of the Lions. He's now on the uh, streets. And if you look at some of the, the stuff from Lions players on social media, Ooh, boy, they didn't like him at all, did they? That seems like a disaster. It's almost like a Josh McDaniels-level disaster with Matt Patricia being a head coach. But speaking of Josh McDaniels, there is precedent of a, uh, you know, a, a heavily sought-after coordinator like Josh 
getting a head coaching job like he did in Denver, screwing that thing up, getting fired, and then eventually finding his way back to Foxborough, right? And, and maybe it's not out of the realm of possibility that Patricia comes back to Foxborough either this year, next year. Who knows? We've seen it. We've seen it happen with McDaniels. It's hard to picture Belichick replacing his own kid with, with Patricia and putting Patricia back at defensive coordinator. But what do you think about the prospects of maybe the Patriots reuniting with Matt Patricia? I, I would think that if he returns, and I do think there's a possibility because I don't, I think, I think Belichick did like working with Patricia. I think Patricia comes back as a linebackers coach and, and Steve Belichick moves into defensive coordinator position. So it would be kind of like a, it would be a favor to Patricia in, in the sense that Patricia's stock is so low yeah. that I think he's going to have a hard time getting a job. But I also think Patricia as a position coach, he's overqualified for a position coach job. And I think he would do a good job at it. So that that's a move that makes sense to me. You put you put as long as Patricia's ready to like play ball and help support Steve Belichick as a, as a as the leader, uh, un, un, unchallenged, then. Patricia's Patricia's a good fit, actually. Um, now, if he if he doesn't want to take a slice of humble pie, if he doesn't feel like going and coaching the linebackers or the defensive line or whatever position Belichick thinks works, I mean Belichick could even put him on offense. I think at one point in Patricia's career, he was working on the offensive side of the ball. Maybe it was all the way back in his scouting days. I don't know, but or like his coaching assistant days, scouting assistant days. I don't know, but I I, I don't know. I, I know that Patriots fans hear the name Matt Patricia. And they like freak out because they think he stinks. Um, He's kind of a bozo. Like, and you, you listen to some of his pressers, man. He thinks oh, pretty man. highly of himself. And for him to take a, a downgraded position like that, Henry, it makes me. I don't feel. I don't feel like he'll do it. I don't think he's that guy. I don't think it's in his personality. Right. So if you're right, then then you know it's a it's a moot point. Patriots aren't going to. Like you said, Belichick's not going to replace uh, Steve Belichick. Although Steve, we found out last week, is the defensive play caller. Belichick confirmed it. He sort of like let it slip. In oh, my finally, opinion, finally. Thank you, Bill. We needed that. Yeah, he did finally confirm it. And some of the players, you know, they did too. So we know Steve is the is the defensive play caller. He's probably the de facto defensive coordinator with, with significant support from Gerard Mayo. And we know that defense is one of the worst in the NFL. They're DVOA from Football Outsiders, an advanced statistic that's like comparable to baseball's war pretty much. And their DVOA is one of the, is the second worst in the league after their really good performance against Kyler Murray. So that helps you context for just how bad they were. Uh, the worst is the Jaguars. That's a really bad defense. So Not company you're trying to keep. No. So basically, I guess if I was uh, really into stirring up drama, if I was Felger and Maz, I would be talking about how Steve Pelichek has not been good at his job this year and that Matt Patricia like would be a good candidate to replace him. Uh, I am not that cruel. I like to consider Tom Brady trades. I do not like to consider that switcheroo. And no, that would be too triggering for Patriots fans. I also just don't like the Brady thing. I think there's like a shred of possibility. This Patricia thing, uh, I don't. There's no chance he replaces Steve Belichick as DC. I, I think you send Felger an email, Henry, and you could be the emailer of the day, and they'll and they'll put they'll get a whole segment out of that thing. I think it's perfect. But all right, we, we gotta we gotta move on to uh, just just a quick minute here on the Pats Chargers. Uh, the Patriots are going to go out to LA for this game. Obviously, they're actually a one point underdog, or at least opened as a one point underdog. You have to check your local uh, sports betting app to get the latest line on that. But we just heard from the sports. Wire. The Chargers are a team that never covers the spread. Henry, they're 0-5 against the spread, actually, in their past five games. It's the longest active streak in the NFL of non-covering. 
Uh, and they're also 5-14-1 and one against the spread in their past 20 home games. And I think that just spells out how the Chargers have no idea how to win. They have this awesome rookie quarterback, but they have no clue how to win ball games. And it's actually surprising to me that the Patriots are going over there in an empty stadium as an underdog by one point. But what what uh, what jumps out to you about the matchup with the Chargers? I If I were a better... I would just not. I would just not bet on this game. Leave it alone. <laughs> Leave it alone. I feel the same way with the Raiders Jets game. Just I'm not. I'm not touching that thing with a ten foot pole. Yeah, because look, the Patriots. Okay, the Patriots just don't. They just don't know. There's no sense of consistency. They don't beat bad teams. They beat good teams. By that logic, you would take. You would take the Chargers. But we also know Bill Belichick is great against rookie quarterbacks. We also know the Chargers are better than like anyone at losing games. Like the Jets are just bad. The Chargers actually like actively lose games, and they're not even meaning to do that. They're not like yeah, that's the difference like, between them and the Jets is they're not trying. Yeah, they're like the Falcons before they fired Dan Quinn. It was just like a, a, everything was an exercise in losing, despite all of the talent. The Chargers are like that this year. So this is. There are, I think there are two conflicting messages for betters. It's like, on one hand, you've got the Patriots who are, who are, who they, they just came off a win against the Cardinals, who are a pretty good team. They also beat the Ravens, another pretty good team. And, and so you'd think, okay, they can handle the Chargers. And then you look at the fact that the Patriots almost lost to the Jets. The Patriots did lose to the Broncos. The Patriots did lose to the Houston Texans. And Deshaun Watson was the biggest reason why he was carving up the defense. Patriots couldn't possess the ball. Patriots couldn't hold on to a lead. And the game ended pretty quickly. That could happen in this game. Justin Herbert could throw for big yardage. So I don't know. Unless you're you're a sharp, as they say in the betting world. I'm certainly. Uh, I I don't know if I don't know if I'd want to put money on this game. Yeah, I think read between the lines, right? The Patriots are an underdog, even if it's only one point. They are underdogs, and the over under is set at forty seven. And if you've been paying attention, the Patriots lines have been way lower than that. They've been in the low forties. This is actually a high number for a Patriots game, and it means that. Vegas feels like the Chargers are going to score points in this game, and they probably will because Justin Herbert is awesome. So I agree with Henry. Stay away. I'm not betting it. Uh, I'm staying away from the game as well. So, all right, Henry, that's that's perfect. Appreciate you. Good luck this week with Patriots Twitter. I know you got a battle on your hands here, so good luck, and we'll talk to you next week. All right. Yeah. If all those, if any of the Patriots fans are out there that follow me, go easy on me, okay? I'm a fragile spirit. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.